Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the McGill uh, Sports Management Club Speaker Series. As always, you're joined here today by Kyle Sant, uh, the Executive Director of the club, and we have a very special here, uh, very special guest here today, Mathieu Darsh. So, Mathieu, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thanks for having me. So, I guess for the people that aren't as familiar uh, about your background, you're a McGill alum. You, you played for the uh, McGill hockey team, and you graduated from McGill in 2000, uh, and you were in Desatel as a marketing IB major. So it's always great to to have someone that's an alumni join the join the podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. It's, uh, it was good times at McGill. Uh, yeah, so I get, <laughs> yeah, well, we always appreciate it. Like for me, I'm an intern for the McGill men's hockey team. And like it's always we have like a wall of all like the big donors or people that play in the NHL. So it's always always nice to see your name and get to have you here. So I guess just to start off, um after McGill and you had a career in the NHL uh, and the AHL and, a, and played a bit in Germany, uh, you worked for Delmar International uh, as one of their VPs of sales and marketing. How do you feel that your experience in a more like traditional business sense made you an asset when you got involved into sports business? Well, first of all, after finishing my career, when uh, you know, I did a little bit of TV work and when Delmar approached me to go work with them, uh, it was also actually... Uh, even if I was out of, I mean, I wasn't completely out of hockey because when I was at Delmar, I still worked on RDS. But it, you know, it's the first time I actually manage people. Uh, you know, you manage budget, you manage expectations, you uh, you deal with different people, you 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 know, you negotiate the deals and things like that. So, it, you know, for me, it was valuable experience to uh, uh, in this job because a lot of it, our job right now is managing people. That's the that's the hockey management you're managing different departments you're managing budgets you're man you're negotiating contracts uh in our world now managing the salary cap which is a big part of being successful so uh doing all that at Delmar was definitely a, a plus for me when i got back into hockey yeah you obviously mentioned like the salary cap that's one of like your big duties as assistant gm uh for people who are listening to this call that Want to get involved in like a hockey front office? I know my dream job one day is to be an NHL GM. Uh, what like learning would you advise for people that want to get more familiar with the salary cap? Well, uh, first of all, to work in, in in hockey management, you have to start somewhere. You know, whether it's in juniors or like you're doing right now with uh, the Miguel. Uh, I was going to say Redmond. That's a old habit, I guess. The Redbirds. Um, it's just you know the the big thing is getting in. Like I get piles of resumes every week of people trying to to get in somehow into hockey, which there's not many jobs. When you think of it, especially yeah. GMs, 32 jobs, you know, yeah. so AGMs is a bit more because, uh, you know, every AGM has different responsibilities. So, uh, you know, it's it's to read on it. It's try to get involved, even if it's volunteer, like you're, you're not getting rich when you're starting. Like, uh, you know, if people are doing it for the money, they're in the wrong business, you know, because it's, you have to work your way up, but whether it's starting with a junior team, a, a college team, and uh, reading about it, asking, like uh, going to conferences uh, and doing like what we're doing right now, and uh, so that's a big thing as far as getting into. Uh, you you need to get your foot in the door. That's that's the biggest challenge is to get in, and after that, like you look at the the GM in Chicago, we started as an intern with the Blackhawks and worked yeah. his way up to. Uh, to being GM and same thing with Doug Armstrong in uh, in St. Louis started and uh, I think as a travel person and in, uh, in Dallas back in the day. So 
you know, the goal is to get a, get your foot in. And as far as the cap, you know, you'll laugh, but one of the resources that even in our world, we use a lot as a quick reference is cap friendly. Yeah. You know, their, their information is more often than not very accurate. Uh, obviously when we get to the bottom of it, we, we, I go, we have a system in the NHL. I go actually check the actual contract, but as a quick reference, every team uses cap friendly. Their, their Q and a uh, on the CBA is very accurate. Uh, so that's a good source. To, uh, and, uh, you know, even when you follow them, they explain some of the team's uh, decision. They do, they do a very good job. So that's one one spot you can, you know. And I know they have the armchair uh, GM uh, feature on their thing. So you can always play with that. So it's uh, there's no bad experience. And even if it's not right away in hockey, getting management experience somewhere else, getting working with numbers somewhere else, especially now in hockey, like they used to only look at former players. That's not the case anymore. If you look at Julian Breedbar here in Tampa, he's a lawyer, he's never played hockey. Uh, so you don't have to be a former player. So even if you get work experience somewhere else, it's always an asset also. Yeah, I will send the cap friendly and that's definitely like a resource that I love to use a lot. And on like the armchair GM thing, I always find it kind of fun looking through random people's like stuff and seeing what trades are proposing because typically they're not all that realistic, but it's, it's most of them aren't realistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously you graduated from De Sautel. How do you feel McGill prepared you for a career in sports business? Well, it's, it's, it's one of the, it's probably the best school. And, and, you know, McGill is the top university in Canada. Uh, just having a, a business background a bit. I mean, obviously like, any job you do, 90% of what you're going to learn is on the job more than, than it is in school. But having that background that teaches you, uh, you know, I don't want to say maybe critical thinking or like finding solution, whether it's in math or economics or any of these uh, these classes, you you learn to think uh, in your in uh, university, in my opinion, because I, any job you take, yeah, you'll have the basis the basics from your your school but you'll learn on the job like every job is different so uh so it was great and for me being actually being at mcgill is uh and especially in our job now is isn't i by being a student athlete especially my first year i did football i did hockey at five classes a semester time management you know like you have no right. choice but it's time like so i've, I've been good not to procrastinate because usually Back then, I, I I have an opening now to study or to do something. Might as well do it now because I won't have time later. So that it's always been a big uh, thing. And people, even when I retired, people were wondering how I, you know, I worked at Delmar. I did RDS. I started a prep school program at my kids' uh, high school, and that was volunteer basis, everything. So I was like, how can you manage all these things? But I guess I'm even now we're done. Uh, we were lost in the first round for the first time since I'm here, and. When we went to the finals, I thought the, the summers were long and boring, and now it's it is boring. You know, like yeah. uh, I'm uh, maybe I'm hyperactive. I like when things are going. So I guess being busy in, in college helped me for that. Was there anything that you wished you got out of your like educational experience that you feel could have helped you? No, not really. Because I mean, you you like any job you take, there's not it's not going to be specific of what you learn. You know, so. Okay. I think it was what's great is being like I took finance classes, I took marketing classes, I took economics. So having touching a few, so you, it doesn't make you an expert by any means, but you kind of have the basics and you can understand when someone talks to you about something. So your learning curve is is uh, is quicker. So I would encourage anybody to not only if you want to be finance, don't only take finance. Like do other things. Like 
learn about different aspects of it. So the more the more wide range of knowledge you have, the better you'll be at your job. Yeah, that, that's certainly like a, a really good point. I took some some uh, psychology class and things like that. I mean, just be part of our job when you're managing staff, you're managing the players, you're managing the coaches, you're managing your team with the ups and downs of the season. So that's a part of it. You got to be able to understand that too. So, you know, there's uh, you can always learn from from different things. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. Uh, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, we've had other like hockey executives on the call on the podcast, like Guillermo Kekalainen or Ryan Miller, Judd Brackett, and every single time we have someone, we we ask this question of, "What's your vision for building a championship winning team?" Obviously, you've been fortunate to to win two cups, the Lightning. But I don't know, is there like a certain philosophy that you have in your head? It's you know, there's different ways to build a team. It's it's what you have. You know, being some people say, "Oh, you shouldn't pay a goalie that much money till you have that goalie." We have Andre Vasilevsky, the best goalie in the league, so yeah, gives us a chance to win every night. So, but teams that don't have him, well, maybe you'll put money somewhere else. So it's there's different ways of building a team, and uh, you know, even the, the guys you've talked to, they've all had some success. And actually, Yarmo were very, he's our pickleball partner uh, when we <laughs> go on the road and we start in the bubble. So. Uh, <laughs> There's different ways to win, so you just have to be able, like, you need a plan, but you need to be able to adjust because things happen during the season. You'll you'll have uh, young players overperforming. Because trust me, this year at training camp, I guarantee you Dallas didn't think Wyatt Johnson was going to be on their team. Yeah. But he big raise on their team, so now you have to be able to, maybe you have to move someone. So uh, some players will underachieve, so you're expecting more, so you're not getting what you expected. You have to be able, you have to be nimble to be able to, to maneuver. But at the end of the day, you know, you build, you need a, a goalie, a top defenseman, a top center. That's the, you know, you build down the middle like that. And then you, depending on what you have, you build around it. And sometimes not everybody has a star or number one center. And you look at teams that had success in the playoffs this year, some teams are just, they have four lines of two-way players, and but it works for them uh, because they don't have a superstar. Uh, if you have the superstar, obviously that's money allocated to that. So you have to be able to adjust. People go, oh, you know, you shouldn't get a superstar, just get four balanced lines. Yeah, but when you have that superstar, you're going to tell them, yeah, I don't want a superstar, you go. No, it's not going to happen. So uh, it's all about managing what you have on your hand and be able to, to adjust to various things that happened during the year. Like we had the situation with Kucherov a few years ago that got hurt like a few yeah. weeks before the season. And all right, let's adjust. And, you know, like I know some, some people didn't like what we did, but uh, we, we, we ended up being uh, – lucky in our bad luck of the timing of his injury. So you had to be able to uh, to adjust to. And people, sometimes people think a GM has to be a top scout or a top this or a top that. No, like you need to be well-rounded and know everything. So your efficiency is a lot better. So you know the CBA, you know about players. And, you know, like to be too narrow-minded as a GM hurts you. You got to be able to touch on every aspect of your organization because your GM, you're managing people. You're managing the organization. So you got to know about amateur scouting. You got to know about pro scouting. You got to know about player development. You got to manage your team, deal with coaches. So you got to be like, you're managing people. That's the main job of a GM. Yeah, obviously, like you're talking about the role of a GM. Uh, obviously, Julian Breezebaugh is the Lightning's GM. How would you describe the relationship you have with him? Well, I guess I spend more time with him than I do with my wife. So uh, <laughs> we work like I basically I support him in everything he works on. You know, whether we deal with the amateur scout, the pro scouts, the, our HL team in Syracuse, uh, I mean, our our team here, our coaches, our players, our contract. I do the daily and 
I manage your salary cap. I do a lot of the a lot of contract negotiations and it's basically supporting him where he needs help and being a sounding board for him when we make decisions. So that's I would say is my main uh my main goal here. We have a great relationship. We're the we're the same age and uh, so uh I got a, like I met Julian when I was in Montreal. Like he's the one that signed yeah. me in Montreal. And then when he took over for, for Steve Eisenman, he asked me to come and replace him. So uh here I am in Florida. That's where you can see the palm trees behind me and uh there's worse places to live yeah that's, that's certainly true like i i visited tampa a few times it's certainly beautiful yeah uh you've obviously been fortunate that lightning have been one of the most successful nhl teams of the last decade um and i don't know you could say if i'm wrong on this but i feel like a lot of people talk about how lightning have a a, a win now mentality obviously with how talented the roster is how do you feel that this affects your work or like your day-to-day at all First of all, it's, it's a good situation to be in. You're trying to win. So every decision we make, are we saying, are we increasing our odds of winning? Because you can't say, oh, for sure, we're starting and we're winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Because that's, there's so many factors. There's injuries. They, they got Florida right now. They're in the Stanley Cup finals. And they made the playoffs by one point. If, if Pittsburgh doesn't lose to Chicago at yeah. the end of the season, they're in the playoffs. You know, so like it's... Uh, uh, you you um that that's that's hockey. You gotta be able to uh to address so, so right now we're in a position that we're able to win. So when we make decisions, it's about winning now. And uh, we always keep an eye on the medium long term too, because you can't just eventually oh you have no more players. So we you know, every now and then we try to let go a bit older players, bring younger players so we, we can keep that real like our goal is to always be in the playoffs. Once you get to the playoffs, as you can see again with with, with Florida and uh, yeah. even on the other side, uh, Seattle had a nice run. And once you're in, you never know. So uh, it's a good position to be in. You want to be in a position that you're trying to win. Yeah, certainly. I think uh, the Lightning are one of the teams that has a lot of sustainable success. So definitely speaks to what you guys are doing. Uh, I, I guess to move on to the, the last portion of the questions I had prepared, uh, I was curious about like your career path. Uh, was there anything that you wish you had done differently throughout the way? I wish, but when I started playing, I wish there was uh, the player development was as advanced as it is now. You know, because because right now, like there, it's not only about that. Like, like we, like our team invests a lot. We have skating coaches and skill coaches, and that didn't exist when I started. And but. Some players they have that, but they're they don't have the, the growth mindset, wanting to be better, so they don't take advantage of it. I know the type of athlete I was. If I would have more resources, I would have used them big time. So maybe I would have been a better player. Maybe I would have played in the NHL longer, or you know, I wouldn't spend as much time as I did in the minors. So uh, that's probably something that I wish. I mean, not we didn't know about it when I was yeah, like we when I was at McGill, we more or less. Train, you know, we played hockey. We somewhat trained the summer, but nothing crazy. Then, even between my first year, even the, since I retired ten years ago, and now the game has changed. So, every player now, four line guys are skilled, and uh, so that's something that I, if I, if that was available back in the day, I think I could have taken advantage of it. But it's what it is. I have no regrets in anything I did. Like it's, there's no use of saying I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. Like. 
I don't live in the past. I live in the present. So I deal with what's happening now and, uh, and you move forward. Yeah. I, I certainly think like the resources for teams are so much better now. Like even for, for me, my title with the Miguel hockey team is I'm a hockey ops intern. And one of my jobs is to essentially run their our analytics department alongside the video coach. And I don't know, I feel like it's probably safe to say that you you guys weren't looking at analytics when you were playing for the team. I, I think things are definitely a bit different. For sure. We have a department of, a, we have five full-time people, three interns in analytics, and it's a big part of it. But in hockey, it's a bit different than baseball. Baseball, is a, analytics is more direct correlation, maybe because every play is a dead stop one-on-one in hockey. I always feel like if you're not using it, you're missing a big part of it. If you're only using analytics, you're missing part of it. Yeah. We're heavy users, but sometimes you have to overlook it because because you can't quantify leadership, you can't quantify toughness, you can't like and the makeup of your team. So sometimes you have to. But if if you're not using it, like the way it evolved, like it's and it's we're still in the infancy, in my opinion, of uh, hockey analytics. It's only been like uh, what two years now that we have the chips and the players and chips on the puck. Yeah. Uh, there's still a black hole because we there's no chips in the stick, so you don't know where the stick is. So I can be in front of. Like the data might show that I'm on the on the puck, but is my back turned to the puck? Am I fronting the puck? So there's still some some black hole. But the the, the progress we've made even in the four years I've been here are are, are crazy. Like it's uh, the, the the amount of information, and at the end of the day, we want as much information as possible to make a better educated decision when we do trades, when we do signings, everything and. Every trade's a risk. Like we we've been fortunate. Our trades have, have worked out pretty good so far, but we'll get burned at one point too. Like it's you're taking a risk. So when you're trading away draft picks, you you know we we quantify those, but at the end of the day, there's still a risk that you know you you trade a third round pick, you become a third round pick, you becomes Braden Point. Yeah. Braden Point is a third round pick, or you trade a seventh round pick, he becomes Andre Palat. Yeah. You know, so there's always a risk, but when it's a calculated risk, you and you're trying to win, like you we're not. We're not trying to get rid of our assets, but we're if an asset can help us be better today and have a better chance of winning Stanley Cup, we'll do what we have to. Yeah, that's certainly a very good point. Uh, I feel like as someone in sports or really in general, you, you learn from your biggest failure. Um, if obviously it's okay with you, is what do you think your biggest failure was and how do you learn from that? Biggest failure, like personally or... Uh, personally, career-wise, it can really be anything. I don't know. If I, not that I've I've been early, but I I would say think being a major failure. Could I have? Actually, I I don't think as a player. I think I was one of the, the hard workers. But could I have on my own worked on my skill more? Maybe. Uh, in this job, other things we. I don't. I don't. I know as a team here, that's the year before I got here, when the team got swept in the first round by Columbus after having that crazy season, that was a huge learning experience about uh, roster building, what we were lacking on the team. You guys got pushed around, and and I don't want to go on other teams, but you can see it with some teams in the playoffs this year also. So it's a bit like Boston this year, but also it was even worse because it was a four-game sweep after yeah. with 62 games, so... Was, and that's the summer I came in. So I saw the soul searching that the organization has done and we adjusted the roster and look what happened since we went to three finals. And uh, so uh, 
I can't say I have a huge, huge failure that I regret so much, but you're, it's always a little thing. You're always trying to improve on what you're doing. So when we base our decisions to make a trade, well, you know, over the years, we're, we're, well, we find out there's more information we can get here. So we go get it to make better decisions. So maybe we dealt with a player a certain way and you know what we shouldn't have, or when we negotiated a contract, we took that strategy, but maybe we should have gone this way. So it's nothing major, but it's always things you're trying to adjust. You're always trying to get better. I would say that the day you're not trying to get better is the day you're trying to you're, you're regressing. Yeah. That's so you always try to get better to get better and, and learn from, from what you're doing. And you might not only learn from failures, you might just not learn on things that you can improve. Yeah. So uh, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, that, that's certainly really good to know. Uh, I, I guess the last question that I have is, is there any advice you have for students, whether it's, uh, like you said, you go, you go through resumes uh, pretty often of people that want to get involved. Is there something that you look for? Or, I don't know. Any advice for people that want to break in? But it it depends what like obviously in analytics you're you're looking for someone that has, I mean some of our analytics people have they knew nothing about hockey when we came in they're just like computer people like they're just like programmers and things like that so. That, that's one thing. And it's honestly, it's getting your front of the door and getting the experience on your resume. So we have a lot of people that send us a resume. Oh, I just graduated. But like outside of school, like like you, it's good. Like you see you're, you, you're working with the hockey team. Oh, there's some experience. And maybe you you work with another team or you, you're like you're, you're on the sports management club and you've done X, Y, Z. So having experience is always good on a resume because you're like, all right, they've touched. It's they don't have a blank resume where you have no clue kind of where they're good at or with what's their interest. So when you have a bunch of those and it's to reach out to people, because I, I, most of the people that we get, like we end up calling them, we just have a conversation. If we have no openings, let's be honest, we've had success. So we haven't had a lot of turnover on our team. So, but I keep the resumes because down the line, someone might leave and then you realize, uh, uh, all right, we need someone. You know what? I remember that resume. So you reach out to a person and maybe you don't hire them, but maybe you do. Or, you know, you end up working for another team that needs to fill a position. And then, oh, I remember this person. So I got a, in my file cabinet, I got a folder of resumes. You know, I prioritize them, the ones that are, I've been more impressive. Actually, this morning, we just exchanged two. There's a resume that came in. We talked to them. Hey, we might need a person there. That could be a good person. And we have no link to that person. So, Whoever is making the hire, whatever department you use, they might um, well, give them a call and you never know. Like it's, the big thing is getting the foot in the door. Yeah. And having true experience on your resume is a plus. That's for sure. Yeah. So for, for everyone listening to this call, get your, get yourself as involved as possible. That's yeah. true. Because, because it's, and it's a lot of hard work. Like they, it's such a niche industry, the sports industry. Yeah. So to get in, it's, you have to get in and, you hear of people coming in as interns. Like we have some uh, interns here that end up, we have two actually since I've been here that they were interns and they became full-time. Yeah. And you, like Kyle Davidson in Chicago is the best example. Intern worked his way up and now he's a GM. And some have come from different industries like uh, Bill Zito in Florida was an agent. Yeah. Got into, on the team side and then ended up GM. So there's, get your experience and it's it's never a bad experience because you, even if you don't enjoy it, you'll it's not it's not a useless experience because you'll realize that that's not what I want to do. Yeah. And also try different things and you gotta try 
And it could be in a different sport. Like hockey, yeah, you want to work in hockey, but you can gain experience in football and then that can translate to hockey. We do personally, we do a lot of idea sharing. Like we're very friendly with the GM and the assistant GM of the Buccaneers, of the Rays. And yeah. we meet with them every now and then. We talk about how they're doing things, how we're doing things. And we've really, I guess some teams have reached out to us because we've had success the last few years. Hey, I just want to pick your brain. And then we, we sit, we've had teams, talking teams from Europe coming yeah. to North America. Hey, we'd like to meet with you guys. We meet with them. You can always learn from from different things, from different people and different different sports or different industries that you can bring back. There's no such thing as wasted experience. Yeah, I will say, like at least at least from Tampa, all the three teams you guys have all been successful in the last like five, ten years or so. So um, it, it says a lot that you guys are all kind of like working together a little bit. Um, and, you know, Tampa's not that big of a town, and. I'm a sports fan, so we follow the The Rays want to tear at the start of the season. I mean, they're losing a few games right now, but they went on a tear at the start of the season. The Bucs, they won a Super Bowl, obviously, when Tom Brady came in. And uh, so we we do, like, we, we, we text, we talk a lot. And uh, actually, some of them live in our neighborhood, too. So uh, it's fun. You can always uh, talk about the athlete mindset. How you're, you know, a bunch of teams have come to us and said, hey, we won, and I felt a year after our players were more entitled, maybe not as hungry. How do you guys do it three straight years? Like, what, you know, like, is there a secret? And at the end of the day, it's the players, but maybe our coach approaches them or the message we send. So we try to share and, and give each other ideas. It's different sports, but at the end of the day, it's sport that you're trying to win. So, yeah, that's certainly good to know. Um, and obviously, as the sports fan club, we follow all sports. So, so it's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that kind of just wraps up all the questions that I prepared. But again, just really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and get to speak with you. So really appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure, Carl. Sorry it took me a while. Obviously, with the playoffs and everything, like we we were busy. But anytime uh, you guys need my help, and I hope like, that one year I can go in person. Uh, uh, it'd be my pleasure. If it works with the schedule, I'll get down there. And uh I like to tease Julian because he's a Concordia grad. So he's gone <laughs> to a few other uh, sports management conferences too. So I said it's going to be my turn to go in person. So you guys let me know what you need. And I'll, if I'm available, I'll be glad to help. I will if it helps. We're always trying to be Concordia. So we'll, we'll try and uh, poach Julian as well. Perfect. <laughs> right.